0: Welcome to DAC Beechcroft's Lawcast. My name is Stuart Wallace, Senior Associate in the Clinical Risk Team here at DAC Beechcroft. This podcast is the first in a two-part series focusing on the fast-changing area of AI and medtech-assisted healthcare. Our podcast series follows the recent launch of DAC Beechcroft's AI and Healthcare Report, which brought together leading clinicians, regulators, developers, investors and lawyers to discuss the ways in which AI technology is transforming the UK's health system. Our aim within this podcast series is to continue the conversations from that report by looking at the opportunities that ai and medtech brings to the delivery of healthcare as well as the hurdles to adoption in this first edition our focus will be on ai and technology in the nhs we have with us tom lawton who amongst other things is head of clinical artificial intelligence at bradford teaching hospitals nhs foundation trust We're going to hear from Tom about the sorts of technology and AI currently being used, his trust in particular, and more widely in the NHS, the advantages that these technologies bring, as well as the challenges posed. We'll also have Tom's thoughts on the future and what there is to come, both in terms of new AI and technology yet to be deployed, and where improvements can be made to existing AI and technology to improve patient safety and experience. Before we get into all that, Tom, perhaps you could just introduce yourself to our listeners in a bit more detail, uh, as I'm conscious that there's uh, a lot more that you're doing beyond the, the clinical ai stuff at bradford um, that i've already mentioned
1: yes I so uh tom lawton i'm a critical care consultant by trade um i used to be a computer programmer and um, kind of how i uh, paid my way through medical school a bit so um, i've had an interest in computers and uh, as a result ai for some time um, obviously you mentioned i um, work as the um, head of clinical artificial intelligence For the trust. Um, And in the AI sphere, um, I also um, work with um, the Assuring Autonomy International project, um, program, sorry, at uh, the University of York, um, where I'm uh, an honorary visiting professor um, in computer science, um, looking at um, safety assurance of AI technologies and with a particular interest in um, what we're calling the liability sink. in that uh, clinicians are at risk, we feel, of, of, of ending up sort of being blamed for AI decisions and, and soaking up liability for, um, for, for systems in use
0: okay that's puts me to shame tom when i just say that i'm a i'm a solicitor you've got about five jobs which i don't know you have so much time to, to do all of that but that's that that's great okay um um let, let's get into this then so um just looking at sort of what what's being done um used currently i appreciate that there's a lot of um interesting and, and innovative things that are happening right now and we've only got a limit limited amount of time on this on this podcast but Perhaps you could just give us a flavour of some of the things that are currently being done and um, firstly we'll, we'll start with the, your particular trust in, in bradford what what sort of stuff have, have, have we got going on there that, that our listeners might be interested to know about
1: so um unfortunately the pandemic has kind of slowed the the rollout of many of the ai technologies locally i mean we've got projects um, on the go and um, clearly there's the command center um, project has been one of the the Flagships, although in terms of kind of what you'd call true hard AI, um, it's, it's relatively limited. The, uh, the the command center is more kind of rule traditional rules based um, and uh, a system for presenting information to decision makers. In terms of the harder AI clinically, we've got projects looking at the admissions to. Um, accident and emergency. Well, attendance is it's accident and emergency, trying to uh, predict um, sort of how many people we might see on any given day, and particularly with the aim of looking at um, where we are best served bringing in extra resources, because obviously resources are incredibly limited, even more so lately um, in the NHS. Um, so bringing in those extra resources at just the right time to uh, try and deal with, with A&E surges um we've been looking at um radiology so um ai is very very good at classification um, and classificate classifying radiological images into normal and abnormal as a kind of triage system or a prioritization system is something we've been looking at these technologies aren't in use um live at the moment but uh, they're, they're things we're, we're looking at going forwards um, unfortunately i started uh, in this AI role, just before the pandemic hit, and then uh, got kind of absorbed into that. So it's really something we're, we're picking up more now. Uh,
0: so the, 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 I imagine the, the the stuff that you talked about there, the the, the a and E and the radio stuff. Presumably, there's got to be a, a running time to that to kind of, for the for the machine to kind of do the learning. Is that is that right? Is that is that why kind of it's not in use yet? Is that because you've got to kind of get that? the system's got to absorb the information to be able to to be useful. Is that is that, have I understood that correctly?
1: And to an extent, there's, there's quite a lot of historical data available. I mean, we've had an electronic patient record um, for some years now, so we have a decent amount of data going back that we might be able to train an AI system on. Um, the pandemic provided a massive perturbation that's kind of changed a lot of the underlying ways people behave, um, which obviously interferes with attempts to teach an AI system. Um, But if I'm honest, the main thing is logistics. I think we um, ignore at our peril the challenges of changing the way um, a system works, whether it's an AI system or or not. um, And trying to um, bring in an AI system, um, there's, there's always that so what question and it's vital that we get that right um you know it, it's all very well having an ai system that that predicts ame attendances with 100 percent accuracy but unless you're acting on that information and have a plan for exactly what you're going to do with it then it, it's really just window dressing so i think getting that bit right is 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 the key and and you know that that's that's the thing we're working on at the moment
0: absolutely yeah yeah um d- d- just looking beyond your trust more widely in the in the NHS are you aware of anything else that's going on um, <clears throat> that perhaps might be already being deployed um in, in other in other hospitals and NHS settings
1: so like i said um image classification in radiology um and um other areas and particularly uh, retinal photography um is is a a growing area and this is something that ai Is generally quite good at if you can um, give it a a limited series of potential outputs um, and get it to to sort of focus on which group does this thing belong into. That's something that AI in general is good at. Um, What AI is is bad at in general is sort of unbounded problems where there's there's kind of wide range of of, of things it it could be doing. So uh, yeah, the radiological classification and uh, image classification of uh, of retinal photography is is um, quite a big area. Um, there's a lot of work on predictive models. I mean, those kind of blur the lines between traditional statistics and artificial intelligence. Um, and there's always concerns that um, artificial intelligence will um, just uh, make things more complex without actually improving um, matters. Um, but uh, trying to use artificial intelligence to predict um, deterioration of patients, um, using it to uh, predict the development of disease, the progression of disease, um, that kind of thing is going on. Um, and then using it in a, in a planning way, you know, like we've been uh, looking at using in the A&E department, but using it to um, predict uh, requirements for, for resourcing the NHS uh, in the future and resourcing hospitals. Uh, i think those are some of the big areas decision making is is something that's on the horizon um and it's generally termed decision support at the moment um but uh trying to advise um clinicians on um treatment uh, treatment of their patients um is is one of the big the big sort of potential growth areas but uh, an area that's uh, potentially fraught with with well, legal issues i guess
0: so when you say support you mean you've got you've got something there that, that the clinician can then use in 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 the decision making of of the treatment is that is that how have i understood that correctly
1: yes and and that's kind of one of the issues that a lot of ai systems are um being built with the idea that they have to take over from the clinician so um the idea being that the ai system is responsible for spitting out a whole recommendation of what to do with this patient or what to do in this scenario, um, as opposed to an AI system, um, sort of giving information to to help the clinician. And and the reason why that's important is that the clinician can end up in a situation where they're effectively asked to rubber stamp a machine's decisions. Um, There's guidance from NHS England that makes very clear that um, they don't believe AI is ready yet to make these decisions and I completely agree with that um, so a clinician has to act as the backstop but it can potentially put you in quite an awkward position as a clinician because you're either rubber stamping a machine's decision or um, to my mind the, the real risk for AI is you end up just turning it off and uh, going back to, to how you used to work.
0: Yeah I can see that I can see that what what can you give me an example of where that how that might work so what, what sort of in a, in a clinical setting, what 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 might the what might the AI be telling the clinician? Could, in a, in a, just can you give us a kind of practical example of how that might play out? And
1: um, so, one of the examples we've been looking at and uh, are, are hoping to explore further with uh, assuring autonomy is, um, for example, decisions around starting insulin if you have type two diabetes. And um, so, a, a patient has type two diabetes; they're um, being inadequately controlled with with uh, tablet medications and um, so um they are seeing their clinician to make a decision on whether to start insulin that's a very big life change um it has uh, potential uh, job implications driving licenses and things for you know, HGV drivers um, you need somewhere to store the insulin you might not have you know working fridges and things if you're um, sufficiently deprived and um, so that it's it's a very big change And you can imagine an AI system that is built on the pure data, the hard data that exists in an electronic health record to try and make that recommendation. And it might be a very, very good AI system, but it's not going to be sensitive to the patient's ideas, concerns, expectations um, of of how they would be um, treated. Um, And a human clinician is in a much better position to um, aggregate that information So if you build your AI system with the idea that what it's going to spit out is a pure recommendation, yes, this patient should transfer onto insulin or no, um, they're fine to stay on the tablets, you're going to make the um, clinician's life difficult because um, they can't sort of uh, have that sensitivity to to what the patient's desires are. Um, You're gonna make the patient upset because um, their needs aren't really being um, explored and um, and you're also putting the clinician in a difficult position from a liability point of view, because um, as you said, as I said earlier, they're, they're expected to kind of rubber stamp machine decisions. But there are alternatives. So the AI system could rather than spitting out a peer recommendation, it's actually the explanation for its decision that might be more useful. And um, so that's one of the things we're exploring um, does uh, an explanation, for example, this system believes that um if uh, the patient moves on to insulin then these outcomes will occur um, they will have a you know lower risk of having a heart attack in the next 10 years they will have um, a lower risk of progressing to end-stage renal failure and needing to go on dialysis and if they stay on tablets we think these things are very likely um and that information can then be explored um, between the clinician and the patient and you actually have a system where ai the clinician and the patient are kind of working together, each doing the things that they're best at, um, rather than the sort of current standard model of, of AI kind of trying to take take over. I mean, make it sound too bad now, but uh, you know, trying to do everything, I think, is the problem.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I can see that. We've we've kind of um, we kind of, I was I was hoping we would we would we'd move on to talk about kind of the advantages and disadvantages of some of this stuff, and I think. You covered that quite nicely in, in what you've been saying there. Um, you know. Um, but just um, what I'm one thing I'm one thing I'm interested to, to get your view on is it is some obviously the some of these AI products are in general a, a product of very large data sets. So if if something goes wrong with that, Tom, do you, do you think we can ever look under the hood to find out? what has happened is do you think that kind of retrospective quality control um would be or is is possible
1: um, i believe it's possible and uh, you know that this is exactly the the kind of problem that that you know a lot of clever people are are working on um the the big data sets we've got to be very very cautious about them because um one of the issues is you might have um, certain groups of people overrepresented in the data, um, and people who are underserved by healthcare, you know, living in more deprived areas, um, people from ethnic minorities who might be less well represented in the data, and therefore you have an AI system that works really well on average, but actually exacerbates health inequalities, making things worse for people who are less well represented. So it's really important that we make sure that the data sets are sort of thoroughly explored before they're fed blindly into train an AI algorithm. And in terms of looking back, um, yes, you know, we, we talk about AI systems as, as black boxes and uh, the idea that you will struggle to understand how it's come to the decision that it's come to. But that's a um, a, a really a a growth area in terms of what people are working on, and that's giving the AI methods to explain itself. Um, I know AI system is, is truly a black box in that you can always look at the algorithm and you can look at the numbers. They may be impossible to interpret, but they they are there. So the question is, can we take those numbers, take um, the way that an AI has come to output that it's produced, um, and put that in terms that the human operating it can understand? Um, So we have uh, examples of um, what we're calling counterfactual examples where the AI system says, this is the recommendation I've come up with, and this is the kind of closest imaginary patient where I would have come up with a different expo- a, a different answer. Um, and you can kind of look and see what, um, what things the AI system thinks are important um, to come up with the answer that it's come up with, and hopefully try and explore exactly why it's come out with the answer it's come out with. Um, I say this is, this is an area of sort of active research. So the answers are definitely not
0: defined yet. Mm-hmm yeah um what about quality assurance do you think that might have a role to play as in obviously you've explained the difficulties there that we might that we're facing in terms of looking back but and uh, and you and you've also explained the ways in which you know we can build things into to, to sort of help the ai kind of explain the decision making process that it's come to but do you would do you envisage any kind of sort of creation of some sort of national set of best practice principles around ai design to ensure that these products that are being produced are, are fit from purpose, you know fit fit for purpose from from the get go is that something that um you might you might envisage or or you see, see might that that might work
1: yes and i i think we're moving towards that um you know there are there are various suggestions and i think it it has to the, the really important thing is it has to consider the whole kind of life cycle of the ai system um i think too often we're focused on just the ai technology itself in isolation and demonstrating that it um you know it has good uh recall and good precision and it, and it's you know, it it fulfills the sort of numeric values we want it to fulfill Um i think what's more important is looking at that ai system in the context of the whole system the whole healthcare system that it'll be put into because we know um people will behave differently when there's an ai system um coming in and um, you know they might be become over reliant on it and uh, and start um you know trusting it when perhaps they shouldn't um, and yeah, ai systems are built obviously very heavily on data and if incorrect data is going in, the AI system might not be able to to understand that there's a problem there, whereas a human would hopefully spot that there's something um, untoward. And um, the same thing is the is uh, relevant to, you know, all the way through from the data used to train the model, and talked about sort of inequalities and potential issues around there, and I think right the way through to um, looking at how the AI system operates um, in practice and how uh, humans around it. Behave and, and might change their behaviours as a result of the AI system being
0: there. Just, just looking ahead, and I know there's stuff there that you've mentioned that kind of is in is in the pipeline. But looking kind of more longer term, say in the next ten years, what 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 do you think might be realistically possible? What, what do you think we might see kind of on the ground in use in the next um, ten years or so?
1: My sort of belief and, and and I guess partly hope is that what we'll see is a bit of a rationalization and understanding of what AI is good at and what it's not so good at because I think we we sort of simultaneously overestimate and underestimate it um we kind of there are a whole lot of things that humans are very very good at and we kind of assume that that AI systems wouldn't find those too difficult either um and it turns out they're not quite so good but equally um, what AI is very good at is bringing together uh, massive amounts of data and kind of having that um, you know, always on eye um, looking at stuff. So with the amount of data that's available on a patient for treatment growing exponentially, what I think will be a, a really good use of AI and, and I hope um, grows is um, acting to kind of Collate information. There's the sort of massive amount of information available to a clinician on a patient, and making sure that nothing's missed. Highlighting things that are important for decision making, um, and bringing that into one place, um, and then handing over and working with um, clinicians, working with healthcare providers, um, to allow them to make the decision and do the kind of patient interaction side and come to a, a shared decision with patients um about how they're best treated and um, i think um the you know ai system is is going to be our systems will be very good at, at that side of things on the decision making um and uh also on in classification so um the stuff that, that it's already being demonstrated to be good at um you know classifying uh radiology images etc by again identifying these ones are normal so you probably don't need to look at those but these are the ones i think are abnormal and then leaving the interpretation um of exactly what it is that's abnormal and what that means um to experienced clinicians Or maybe one day in the very far off future then ai will be capable of, of you know doing even more around the interpretation but i think in the next um you know decade or so that that's kind of where we'll be is is in recognising what AI is good at and, and really focusing on that and using it for that.
0: Yeah, and ten years um, is not is not a long time um, in the grand scheme of things. Um, that's fascinating, Tom. I I, I think I've, we've got everything that, that that we need and we've covered. Um, thank you very much, Tom, for your for your time and and thanks for listening to this episode of Lawcast.